mean and angry Hear that couple shouting It's Dainer and Jay It's Dainer and Jay Today's episode here that podcast ground is presented by Visa Network Working for everyone Paul Dainer Jr. Jay Morrison Unbelievably still here working for you on January 27th. Jay, welcome to the AFC Championship Game Preview Edition of Hear That Podcast Ground. We are still going. It's it's, it's unbelievable. I thought you were going to say what's up, and I was going to say my screen time, and what's not up is my sleep hours. It's just it's it's been a a long week, but it's been a fun week. This is seeing the reaction from listeners and readers, and how excited they are, and how much they're consuming what we put out there. It's just it's it's an alternate universe. We've never been in this situation before. And it's, you always kind of wondered what it would be like. And uh, it's, it's been everything I expected. See, the thing is, Jay, most times we have to make sure we are producing really interesting high end material. Not that we wouldn't always try to do that, but we always like, we have to, to get, make sure we're getting eyeballs on our work. We could just crank out crap right now, Jay, and everyone wants it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everyone wants to read it. We, we we could just do the biggest bunch of drivel we've ever done, and just we just look and oh, look at all the people that read that. Look at all the people that listen to that. It just doesn't even matter because everybody is just hanging on every last word of this team and this run. It's just special right now, and so we're just going to enjoy the fact we're. I'm going to say we're still going to give people quality, even though we recognize that we don't have to. Yeah, don't tempt me. Don't don't send me back to my high school days where I do just enough to get by. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I, I'm you're like, I know how to do the minimum. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I worked at Arby's. Uh, all right. So, so we, we obviously, as you might imagine, have a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to get through some news, uh, which there isn't a ton of it, which is good news. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit about something that sparked this conversation that Von Bell said yes yesterday. And we're going to bring you Von Bell talking about that. Of course, our good friend in Kansas City is back. You heard him earlier this month. He's back at the end of this month. That's Nate Taylor. Does a great job covering the Chiefs. He's very used to covering games in late January. Four straight home games. Yet to do a road game, except for the Super Bowl uh, in the postseason for Nate. Uh, But he's got a lot of great insight on the state of the Chiefs and the state of this matchup and, and what everybody's saying in Kansas City. Awesome stuff coming up with Jay talking to Nate. And uh, we'll talk a little. We'll obviously get dive into the logistics of this game a ton. So that's coming up here. And you know what, though, for such a big game, such a big podcast, you know what you do? You pull out the big guns, Jay. You pull out the big guns, and there's no bigger gun there in in, in, uh, in Bengals franchise lore than who's joining us today. That's Anthony Munoz uh, joining me uh, to talk about you know. What it's like to go to the Super Bowl. What it's like to play in an AFC title game. He did it twice, comparing some teams of the 80s and, and some of the feelings around the city to then to now and just all the goodness that Anthony always brings. So really excited to have Anthony on the show. We'll, of course, do a growler bet, run, passer, boot. And then we will have the long-awaited prediction. As you know, Jay, I'm hot right now. I'm yeah, hot. I'm not. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to have any exact yardages this week, but I'm going to I'm going to do my best to stay on this heater. Me and Joe Burrow, we're on we're on heaters right now. 
He's hot playing quarterback. Much harder to do than me just predicting games. Uh, but uh, we'll 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 keep this this thing rolling, and that's at the end of the episode, of course. Uh, all right, let's dive in. Uh, injury reports are pretty clean, Jay. I mean, what we saw come out yesterday, um, Cam Sample not practicing, but outside of that, everybody else at least in a in a limited capacity. And Mike Daniels returned on the practice from the practice squad. They don't have to list him on the injury report, uh, but he was out there. So the fact that he was out there is a good sign because uh, Josh Tupo, um, you know, was still still battling after he couldn't quite go on Sunday. Yeah, he, he Josh came out of that game early, and and Zach didn't. He Zach said that he and Stanley Morgan and and um, Cam Sample would be limited this week. He he wasn't ruling him out for Sunday, but it didn't sound overly optimistic the way he sometimes does when he's talking about these guys. It would be big to get Stanley back, but you just have to, we'll see how they progress through the week. But Cam Sample not practicing at all this week. I it, it sounds like he would he's probably a long shot to to, to go against the Chiefs. Yep. Uh, we had our official Zooms. The, the AFC Championship backdrop ar- arrived <laughs> to give us our, our new backdrop, which would made it feel very real. Uh, and we spoke to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Von Bell, Zach Taylor on Wednesday. We'll have a, we'll cycle through a few more here on Thursday. We haven't done that yet as we record. Um, no major, I mean, you know, at this point, you guys that listen to this podcast, you know the news. I mean, there's nothing new really happening right now with this team. Although Les Miles caught a stray. He was a <laughs> Les Miles is like, oh come on. Like I've had a rough enough couple of years, Jamar. You need to do this to me, Jamar <laughs> Chase saying, Oh, I got one of my best stories ever when someone asked him about some motivation. One of my best stories ever. Yeah, Les Miles told me I couldn't play receiver. Somewhere less is like, come on, this is so unnecessary. <laughs> Kick a man while he's down. But it was true. When I did the story on on Jamar and Christian Fulton's dad last week, Christian Fulton's dad talked about that, how that was one of the, the ways that him and Jimmy got close to was uh, he was kind of that go-between where Jamar was thinking about going somewhere else besides LSU because of that, because – they, they wanted to transfer him to cornerback. And I just really didn't kind of fit into the story. And I'd already talked to Jamar. I would have want to get, would have wanted to go back to him and get his thoughts on that. So I just, I left that part out of the story, but it, it was just funny that it came up this week. And yes, that's, and Larry Holder, who covers New or- all things New Orleans, New Orleans for us, uh, had a great piece of kind of the breakdown of how that whole thing went. Um, back in 2019, he he did a oral history of that whole decision on on getting Jamar to flip and then and not keeping it a wide receiver. If you want to check that out, yeah. Um, in case you didn't know it, I hope that you subscribe to the Athletic. Uh, if you're listening to this, if you don't, this might be your time. The amount of content uh, about this game and this team currently up. Uh, on the site is uh, pretty ridiculous. Jay, of course, you've got an awesome feature on Evan McPherson that's going to be coming out. Uh, there is Mike Sando, who you heard on our Tuesday show, talking to executives about Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, which uh, rising young QB NFL coaches and execs would take now. So you got a lot of great league insight there. Uh, Jay, you have a great story um, on the headset going out with Bur- which Burrow discussed calling his own plays for the 
first time and was actually really, I mean, really interesting insight to him as a player and an, and an evolving quarterback and Zach Taylor's view on that. It's it's about much more than just those few plays. There's really a lot of big, I thought it was a, a great story there. Um, Shilk Padia and, and, uh, and Ted Gwynn have a great thing on sort of the inside, the film, looking at Bengals-Chiefs matchups through the X's and O's of the film. Uh, I have a story up on the culture of the locker room. A lot of stuff you heard on Tuesday and that we talked about on Tuesday really kind of uh, expanded out and covering the whole thing from really anatomy of a culture uh, explosion, really. And uh, that's that's up on the site right now. Um, I mean, you name it. It's just it's it's crazy the amount of stuff that that's up on the site right now. So make sure you go and uh, check all that stuff out. I, I will say the McPherson story is not up yet, but I will just give you guys a little teaser that Saturday in Tennessee was not the first time Evan McPherson called a shot. Ooh. And come back for more after the break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so all that stuff, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe now. Uh, there's you, you will get paid off e- immediately on that as we get that. And then, of course, we'll have the walkout and all the coverage from Kansas City this weekend. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. But let's still talk a little bit about something uh, that came up yesterday, and I don't know if we've really totally gotten into it. We've we've talked before about the urgency of understanding. Look, you can't just say T.J. Hushmanzada mentioned this specifically. Taking things for granted because you're young, because this is early and you're just getting started, uh, you can't you can't do that. There's a danger in that because. You just don't know if you're gonna get back, or and I don't think people understand how hard it is to even get to this point. I mean, Bengals fans probably do, <laughs> but you know, I, I think in general, when you get there, it always feels like this should last forever, right? No matter, no matter, really, almost no matter the makeup of your team, unless you're in some sort of last dance situation. I mean, especially with this group who's so young and so many people coming back. I thought Von Bell's answer to Jeremy Rao of Fox 19, our good friends over there, asking about that, the young group, which was a great question, um, elicited a great answer. Here's here's Von Bell from Wednesday's Zooms. Hey, Von, there's been so many people that have said this team is ahead of schedule. Even myself at one point this season said that, Von. Um, But this team really has so many guys that are coming back in so many ways. Do you feel like this is really just the start of something special for this team, Vaughn. General, I can't think of it like that, man. All I think about is we're in the now, and uh, we always trying to win now because uh, everybody's shelf life is small. Uh, we got to, we got, uh, I guess, uh, really take um, full opportunity of the opportunity that we have right now and embrace the moment of where we at right now. So we can never look forward. We're going to stay in the now, and uh, that's why I tell the guys to go out there because you never know what you could. You know, it, it takes years to get to this moment. It takes some people don't get to it at all, being their career. So, uh, I have friends that never been to this moment, and uh, man, it's just we got cherished the moment and really relish it. So, just living it now, and uh, really go out there and just play for it, and really just like I said, embrace it. I thought that was really good, uh, you know, and and insightful 
and had great perspective from, but what you would expect from a guy like Vaughn, a leader, a guy who's been around, a guy who's been to championship games before, um, and in big ones, and and you know, nobody <laughs> nobody brought up that Rams Saints game. I think it's probably that, that wound <laughs> might still be fresh. <laughs> it's probably a good thing that nobody brought up the uh, the call that changed the rules uh, between the Rams and the and the Saints, but um, you know. There is no guarantees that anybody's getting back, and I think, I, I think this team, even though they're, they're, you know, we've talked about how they're young and just they're out there playing with their friends and don't necessarily have a lot of perspective, and that helps them. I think it's important to have the perspective of of how big this game really is. Yeah, because it kind of flips the the whole situation where for before that the Raiders win, all the talk was. The, the drought and all that. And it's because the fans feel it that the players don't necessarily feel it. it it's in, in kind of in that same vein that the fans know how hard it is to get to this spot. The the players may not, it, it's just, it's just human nature. And, and TJ even said that, that you think it, you think it's going to be, we've got good coaches. We've got good players. It's going to, it's going to be like this all the time. And, and people tell you, no, 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 take it for, you know, don't take this for granted. It it's not necessarily going to be like this the whole time. And no matter how many people tell you that, it's still hard not to think that way when you're young and good and confident. Um, and I I do wonder how much of that is 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 gonna be is gonna sink in with these guys. I I, I think you can hear it, but to to actually know it and appreciate it is is a different thing. And I don't think they're going to – it's not like they're going to have a house money mindset in this game where, hey, we weren't supposed to he- be here yet. Anything that happens from here on out is gravy. But I-, I do wonder how much of that is in the back of their mind that, hey, like Joe Burrow said, winning one playoff game is the bare minimum from here on out. I, I think a lot of them believe that. It, well, and they should to a certain extent. But I think you also have to keep in perspective how much luck it took for the Bengals to be here. I mean, you know, they were as healthy as they've ever been. Their picks all hit, you know, they, their free agents all hit. That's just not going to happen all the time. There's just no way that you can keep that up, no matter how good you think you're going to be. You know, you, your division fell apart around you, and you got some breaks and some calls to win some games. You got some key turnovers in critical situations. This is not me discounting this team. This is teams that put special runs together typically need a bunch of good luck, too, to happen. It's not – that doesn't mean that it's not okay – uh, that that they're here or or that it's invalidated. It's that this is what teams that make runs need for the most part, unless you are Patrick Mahomes or you hope you are Joe Brady and that Brady or Joe Burrow and that he can be like Tom Brady. Y- you hope to be that way. But look, Jay, here's something for you. Paul's got stats too. Let's not forget about that. <laughs> Quarterbacks to play in the Super Bowl in their first or second season. Uh, I told you before we went on how many there are, so I'm not going to turn it into trivia. But there's six. All the Super Bowls, only six included a quarterback in his first or second season. How about how many made it back? How many times did those players make it back? Because what makes a team feel like they're about to go to 18 Super Bowls more than your first or second year QB takes you there, right? Colin Kaepernick in 2012 never made it back. Ben Roethlisberger in 2005 made it back twice. 
in 08 and 2010, just retired today. Tom Brady went in 2001. He went back a lot. We'll just, we'll call him, he's a unicorn outlier. Dan Marino, 1984, never made it back. Kurt Warner, 1999, made it back twice. Russell Wilson, in 2013, made it back once. That's it. it. You know, unless you're Tom Brady, like this is one of the maybe two or three, if you're lucky, four best chances for Joe Burrow and the Bengals to break through. And you got to think of it that way. And how many of those times when they have chances will you have all your weapons? Will you have your left tackle? Will you have a good defense that's healthy? Will you, you know, will you have a Chiefs team that you've already beaten across from you? You know, it's just you never know which chance was your best chance, and sometimes your first chance is your best chance, and that's the the enormity of this game. Yeah, and I, I mean, maybe Russell Wilson does get back at some point, but it's it's look, he's getting older, and who knows what his future is. But you're right, it's it's the, the Dan Marino one is the one that always stands out to me. Where I mean, maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time gets there in year two, and never, never gets back again. It just it, you never would have thought that when they when he was playing the 49ers in that Super Bowl, anything can happen, and it's not necessarily the quarterback falling off it's it's everything around you like you said you need all that luck of of health and and circumstance and even even the chiefs as great as they are they got some luck if the bills play that the right way then then they don't they're not here this week it's the bills that the bengals are are playing this week it's i mean i'm not saying the the chiefs were lucky to win that game but you score with 13 seconds left uh, to tie the game and win in overtime, there's there's a little bit of fortune involved there. It's anytime a team makes a run like this, there's always that game you look back on. We'll talk to Nate about this a little bit, where you know you got a crazy break. It, it just seems nobody just dominates start to finish, and for for Joe Burrow to be here in year two, easy to think that there's going to be a lot more of these, but it, it's not something I would bet on. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it, the odds say it's a longer shot of of happening than it is of not happening. And let's not forget the landscape of the AFC here, okay? Right. Josh Allen, right? Mac Jones has looked really good playing with Belichick. Lamar Jackson when he's healthy. Uh, Herbert. Justin Herbert. Where will Deshaun Watson end up? Is Aaron Rodgers going to follow Nathaniel Hackett to Denver? In case that's a scary team, Mahomes ain't going nowhere. I mean, you've got a lot of very talented quarterbacks that expect to be in the spot that Joe Burrow currently is in at some point in the coming years in this conference. It is not going away. It is not getting easier. You only know how many shots you're going to get to sift through that group. Josh Allen, I mean, like, you know, couldn't do it in Kansas City. And how much are they feeling it in Buffalo right now as you've now gone a few years and it piles up and you still haven't made it to the big game, right? And, and that's not to say this isn't remarkable, that they won't necessarily be back and that you shouldn't stop betting on Burrow at all. It's just understanding the moment. Like Von Bell said, he's got friends that have never been here because this is hard to get to. And when you have the chance to do the special thing, um, 
you know, you, you need to do the special thing. Let's talk about the logistics now of doing the special thing. Where else do we start with that? Then our good friend in Kansas City, Nate, T- Nate Taylor. Here's, uh, here's Jay with Nate. Nate, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great, Jay. Uh, it's so nice to see you on the Zoom. Same, same with Paul. Uh, fellas, welcome to <laughs> late January. <laughs> what is this? I know. Uh, it's uh, well. I'll, I'll tell you. It's um, it gets a little kooky around this time of year. I don't think fans truly understand uh, how high they are on like the mountain that they that their team is climbing. Because uh, I experienced much of this. Four years ago, uh, of course, with with Patrick as a first time starter um, with the Chiefs and, you know, uh, Joe Burrow has accomplished something that Patrick Mahomes is not even not even done yet, fellas. And that is when a road playoff game. So uh, it's 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 so cool to see how excited people are in Cincinnati um, to see what the organization has done, obviously, with the game balls afterwards. Um, and to know that they may have the better kicker in this game, which is just <laughs> incredible. I mean, it is amazing. Has Patrick even played a road playoff game? He has not. Yeah. Um, so technically, now, now, now here's here's where it gets really interesting. Like, there's like a pause. M dash. Technically, now you can go on football. Pro Football Reference, and it'll say that the Super Bowl last year was played in a neutral site, and yeah. I would tell you that was. That was not the case. Uh, you know, the human element is real. Uh, and I know we don't really need to get into this aspect of, of the first matchup. But, you know, the human element is it's a part of the game. Um, and Chiefs fans, whenever they lose, and usually it's it's road games uh, in this Mahomes era, are always looking at those guys in those zebras and those zebra shirts. And um, there was a few times in the in the Super Bowl last year where you could just say, wow, like we've never experienced this before, but man, what an advantage it is. If your team whose city is hosting the Super Bowl, if you're able to get there, um, it can, it can be, it can be to your advantage. Um, and you also have Tom Brady, you know, Rob Gronkowski, Devin white, just, you know, Dominic and Sue, just, just amazing team. Um, but I, it's, it's still remarkable fellas that like, the Chiefs, because of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, have not had to play a road playoff game with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. Yeah, and the winner of this game could be in that same situation, playing a team on their in their home stadium once again. Uh, before I obviously want to preview this matchup on Sunday, but I I can't not talk about what happened last Sunday. Just. Number one, where that game ranks among the games you've covered. Number two, you talked about the human element. Um does a game like that do you think sap something from a team mm-hmm. or does it does it kind of give that extra little push where you always see teams that win a championship you look back and there's that one moment where it almost yeah. went awry and something crazy happens and they win it uh just kind of your thoughts on that yeah that that's a really good point and it's something that I haven't thought about a ton but um as I'm thinking right now in 2019 um when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl uh, they were down 24 nothing to the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson uh, in the divisional round. Uh, and in that format, they were the two seed, so they already had a bye week. Um, so they were they they came off the bye real rusty, uh, <laughs> like even more rusty than the Tennessee Titans last week. But they somehow <laughs> found a way with 
Patrick Mahomes' help, of course, um, to to rise to the moment. And I think they scored seven straight touchdowns or, or seven drives ended in, in a touchdown or something, something ridiculous like that. Um, and they ended up winning the game. It's one of the more remarkable, you know, large comebacks in playoff history. And um, and from that point on, they really that team really embodied uh, the personality of no matter if we're down, we're going to we're going to come back. And of course, they were the first team in NFL history to trail by double digits in every game in the postseason and and somehow still win all of those games by double digits. So (laughs) um, I don't know if, if they can translate that for this team necessarily. Um, because I felt like that game was just two true giants just going at it with haymakers for days. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of points scored after the two-minute warning, which is just wild. Um, so there is an element where they could be drained. But I think where, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, um, but I think where it could help them, guys, is – because this game is being played at Arrowhead Stadium, you don't have to travel. You don't have to play in a in a, in a more hostile environment or, or an environment that you're um, that could be uncomfortable or unfamiliar to you, uh, as if this game was in Cincinnati. So that that may help them. Um, but I'm fascinated because of the new playoff format. Playing three straight playoff games in a row uh, is just grueling before you even get to the Super Bowl. So who has the stamina? Who can persevere in this game? Um, and I think the Chiefs are hope the Chiefs are hoping that they can lean on their experience because they've been to four straight AFC Championship games because they're attempting to go to a third straight Super Bowl. That that experience will give them will give them some advantage over a team that's you know in the Bengals that's pretty young, uh, pretty inexperienced. But man, are they energetic and uh, are they are they not confident? <laughs> you know, considering all the things that they've already accomplished this season. I'm glad you mentioned that 24 nothing game because I, I think everyone is under the assumption the Bengals have to get off to a fast start. Mm. If you're on the road, you're playing a giant like the Chiefs, you're an upstart, you have to get off to a fast start. I went back and looked, and it wasn't just that game against the Texans. It, it Last year's AFC Championship game fell behind Buffalo 9 nothing. Yep. The year before, fell behind Tennessee 10 nothing. 2018, fell behind the Patriots 14 nothing. Came back and took the lead with two minutes to go and ended up losing in overtime. Um, but say, they, they, they fell behind Pittsburgh this year in the wild card game. Um, <laughs> in last year's divisional game, they fell behind early. I, is is it a is it a slow starting team in the playoffs or is there kind of some game not gamesmanship where they're intentionally falling behind but is it one of those things where they like they show you some looks early just to kind of and then maybe don't call their best play in that look just to see how you're going to react and then save mm-hmm. the best plays from that look later in the game is 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 that playing into it at all yeah, that, that's certainly an element. Um, there was times um, in the Super Bowl in, in 2019 when they played the uh, when they played the 49ers, and uh, had I not covered that game, had that game never existed, then last Sunday's game would have been the best game I've ever mm-hmm. covered or seen in person in the NFL in my time uh, covering this league almost five years now. Um, because I like to remind people, including. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, dear Bengals fans, um, you could be up ten points with nine minutes left in the in the game, 
nine minutes away from a Super Bowl, or in this case, nine minutes away from hosting the Vince Lombardi Trophy, up 10. The Chiefs scored 21 straight points in the in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. um, shut out the 49ers in the fourth quarter, and executed one of the most historic comebacks in Super Bowl history. Um, so to your point, Jay, they saw something in that cover three scheme and they sort of used plays in the first quarter to sort of dictate how they wanted to use plays in the second half. Um, Andy Reid is very methodical about this. The idea of having Patrick Mahomes have his own ideas, which of course leads to the the story of him saying, do we have time to run Wasp, which is a double move route for Tyreek Hill. Um, in Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills, it was clear in the fourth quarter that they understood when it's got to have it moments for both teams, um, the Bills will be in too deep safety, man. Like they will be in too deep safety, man coverage. And Tyreek Hill abused such a look with a play and a, and a formation that they had not shown all game. Um, and poor Levi, De- poor Levi Wallace, excuse me. Um, who was forced to cover this man one-on-one with safeties 25 yards off the ball, and Patrick hit him right in the intermediate zone. And because he has such rare speed, um, it doesn't matter where your safeties were. They could have been 50 yards off the ball, 30 yards off the ball. They weren't catching him because uh, he, he just takes away angles in such a dynamic way. Um, they understood, too, that, hey, when we get into overtime, Travis Kelsey is going to be on linebackers because we've schemed it up that way based on the covers that they've shown already in the game. So it's going to be quite a challenge for the Bengals in in some ways because mentally you have to stay so focused. Um, And the Bills were so focused until the final 13 seconds (laughs) where they kicked the ball through the end zone instead of squib kicking it, which Tony Romo called at the moment Mm -hmm. um, when – they weren't going to try to pressure Mahomes. Instead, they played further back. So you can see 19 yards to Tyreek Hill in four seconds. Um, and then because they were so terrified of him burning them again for a touchdown, which is understandable, um, they gave Travis Kelsey a one-on-one matchup on the entire left side of the field, which, of course, he abused for a 25-yard gain. And all of a sudden, the game is tied. And now you're even more mentally drained. You're even more devastated um, and so as much as this game is physical, Jay, I feel for the Bengals and for the Chiefs, how quickly can you refocus? How quickly can you stay or how much can you stay sharp mentally? Um, because this has the chance to be just like the first matchup where it comes down to the last position, who has the ball last, how do they execute in those moments? Um, and so just because you stopped them in the first quarter or just because this red zone trip was successful the chiefs will use that information later in the game all right let's just take a quick break you mentioned the first matchup that the the big story there obviously was jamar chase 266 yards three touchdowns Uh, how severe was the criticism of spagnolo after that (laughs) game and do you think do we see a change? I mean, did, did, what? how do you expect them to play this week? Do they bring more pressure after seeing what the Titans did to Joe Burrow with nine sacks? Uh, just kind of, I know you, you, they haven't clued you in on the game plan, but just what do you expect? <laughs> um, it's, 
I I've, I've been so eager to talk about this um, because <laughs> because obviously you guys were there. Um, unfortunately, I, I couldn't make the trip. Um, you know, I we had a snowstorm or an ice storm, I guess, mm-hmm. in Kansas City the Friday night going into Saturday morning, and my flight got canceled, and I just decided to, to just stay and watch the game from home. But I know Joe Burrow has mentioned, you know, hey, I've played in Tuscaloosa, and I've called mm-hmm. a certain section of Chiefs fans Tuscaloosa fans because at any moment something goes wrong, we got we got to start firing people. We got to start <laughs> figuring out what we need to do. This is unacceptable. Another team beat us. How you know? And uh, because once the you know the Chiefs entered that that matchup with an eight game winning streak, and I think Chiefs fans were like, okay, this is the team we all thought it would be. It took a little you know took a little longer than usual, but like we're not losing another game this season. And then the amount of criticism I heard about Steve Spagnolo after that game, I, I it kind of blew my mind, Jay, because I get his point in saying that, well, we haven't been able to cover him all day, which is a fact. <laughs> like poor Chavarius Ward, who did his best, but but Jamar Chase was better, and that's and that's okay. Um, and so it was quite the gamble, but that's what Steve Spagnolo's been known for is blitzing, taking risk. Uh, forcing the issue. And so in the aftermath of that game, he said he wanted to treat that play like it was third and six. So I'm going to bring a seven-man pressure against a seven-man protection and just hope one of my guys wins and gets to the quarterback faster than he can throw, you know, a a 50-50 ball, which is more like 75-25 based on Joe Burrow's accuracy. Um, And they just didn't get home. And the thought process was if we sack him again or we or we get an incompletion, then Evan McPherson doesn't get a chance to to attempt a, a, a game winning field goal with, I don't know, whatever it was, two or three minutes left in the game. Um, and they got burned. So for this for this rematch, um I wonder if Spagnolo can actually adjust. Like, and I'm not just saying schematically, I'm saying um from a personality standpoint, will he have the the wherewithal to not blitz? This man loves blitzing. <laughs> um, but as we've seen, you can sack Joe Burrow nine times. Uh, but if you give him an opportunity in a one-on-one matchup, him and Jamar Chase are becoming the equivalent of Mon- Montana Rice. Like, it's it's really good. Like, it's 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 exceptionally uh, it's an exceptional connection. I I would remind Spagnolo, or I would sort of suggest that the blitzes have to be very, very rare under particular circumstances, and you just have to rely on your four man rush beating an offensive line that's going through you know some shuffling uh, in with injuries. Obviously, uh, it's going to be a loud environment, so the cadence will necessarily um, you know could have some some issues at times. Um, but you have talented players in Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Jaron Reed had a sack last week against Josh Allen. Um, you know, Melvin Ingram has made quite an impact this season, just getting push uh, or collapsing the pocket. And so for Spagnolo, as much as you love to blitz, as much as you mo- love to scheme it up and, and trick a young quarterback, um, I think the, the more wiser, 
the wiser move is to be conservative and to just rely on the crowd, rely on the pass rush, and play seven guys in coverage because quietly, fellas, Tyron Matthew is in the concussion protocol. The Chiefs mm-hmm. expect him to come back, but you know he may miss the whole week of practice at this point as, as we're recording this. Uh, Rashad Fitton has not played the last few games because of a back injury. Daniel Sorensen still exists, uh, and he's been poor in coverage this year. And for all the things that Javarius Ward has done, in a very good manner, the guy who cooked him the most was Jamar Chase. So you need to find a way to double him um, if the opportunities are there based on formation, scheme, whatever. So you need as many guys in coverage to at least make Joe Burrow hold the ball and hope those four, one of those four guys up front you know, gets home. Yeah, because I think Joe Burrow loves being blitzed more than Steve Spagnuolo loves to blitz. Mm. He just he just really embraces it. He's been great against it. Um so so that said, last one for you here that it it sounds like this could be shaping up to be another shootout where both teams are in the 30s. What we've talked about the the, the defensive outlook here. What's what's changed offensively with Clyde Edwards Hilaire being back? How much does that change things? I mean, everybody looked at last week's game and said it was this crazy shootout, but Chiefs had 182 yards on the ground. Um, just what what does his addition do to this offense? Uh, this is the best the Chiefs have looked in terms of gaining yards on the ground all season, um, and I don't say that lightly. Um, because there were there were games earlier in the year where Clyde Edwards Alaire was starting to get into a rhythm and then unfortunately uh he got injured and then he came back and so he's he's had like this just start and stop season. Um but last week he ran the ball as in his words, you know, with, with some fire uh mm-hmm. under his, you know, uh belly, under his, you know, you know what. Like I don't <laughs> I don't know, but he he ran the ball pretty well. Um Patrick Mahomes, because again, and this is this is information for the Bengals. Because they knew the Bills were going to play too high man coverage, uh, if his first and second look weren't available, Patrick Mahomes was more willing to scramble, to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Mahomes led the team in rushing, um, which I just find to be, you know, wild because he had the same amount of, you know, rushing attempts as Clyde Edwards Alaire. They each had seven. Clyde had seven for 60 yards. Patrick had seven for 69 yards. Um, and by extending the play, extending you know, their drives with his legs. Um, Mahomes was able to, he's just been able to rely on the running backs um, in ways to a, take a break uh, in terms of, you know, just a clear run play. Uh, And now they're starting to get to some of these screen passes, some of these swing routes between Clyde Rizalaire, Jarek McKinnon um, to where those guys can, can find some real success in space. Uh, Another part of this as to why it could be a shootout. And I think quietly as to why the Chiefs sputtered in the second half. And I think this goes to the to the Bengals credit from a coaching's perspective. Um, Trey Hendrickson was really good in the first matchup. Um, but Orlando Brown Jr. did not play in the game because of a calf injury. He's the Chiefs uh, Pro Bowl left tackle. Joe Tooney had to slide from left guard to left tackle, and he played admirably. But it showed up in the second half that, like, oh, this is not his natural position. They've started to find, you know, a a crack in the offensive line and exploit it. Um, You know, I think Andrew Wiley is the third-string right tackle, and he's played really, really well since this game, since the first matchup. And so the Chiefs are a more healthy team on offense than in the first matchup. And I don't know how much that will – necessarily change the outcome fellas 
But when you give Patrick Mahomes uh, a full collection of, of skill position players and an offensive line that is gelled really well um, and has not given up a ton of pressure in the postseason so far, um, it's required. And this sounds this sounds crazy as I say it, but it's required to go get 40 points. Mm-hmm. It just it just is. Like it's unless there's something that happens in the game that is unforeseen as of right now, the Buffalo Bills scored 36 points and somehow lost. And Josh Allen made no mistakes. And now we're asking Joe Burrow in his first time in Arrowhead Stadium with the Super Bowl on the line to be just as good as Josh Allen was, or slightly better. Um, And so I think the offense for the Chiefs has found that perfect balance between you give us a situation and we are capable of executing at a high level. If we need to have a long, extending, soul-sucking drive, we can go on a 14-play drive, use the running backs on second down, You know, obviously move the chains on third and short, um, or fourth and short, as they did last week. If you give us 13 seconds or, or if we're in a two-minute drill and we need to speed this thing up and just have our quarterback spread things out and just let it rip, they can do that too. Um, I told Bills fans last week, guys, when the Chiefs are in the red zone, start praying something good happens uh, for your team because that's the only way I can see success. Uh, in the red zone, the Chiefs were three of five, but in goal-to-goal situations, they were two for two. Um, so there might be a play cooked up from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy that you just don't see coming that they haven't put on film yet. Um, it's, I'm tired just thinking of all these things, like <laughs> let alone trying to play in the game. Or if I was Zach Taylor trying to, ex- trying to share all this information and know that it's all reasonable, it's all well thought out. It's all true. And fellas, we can't punt. We can't turn the ball over. Our quarterback has to be amazing, and we need to score 40. That's the best way to guarantee victory. And, oh, by the way, um, don't – if we lose the coin toss, bad things, man. Bad, <laughs> bad things. So don't don't make it don't, – don't even let it get to overtime. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's the lesson that the Bengals can learn from the Bills because the Bills had an opportunity to not have the game go to overtime. They had – all they had to do was was defend and make better decisions with 13 seconds left. Um, the Bengals have a chance to to do something that the Bills couldn't. So I, I think it's I think it's going to be a close game. I could totally see the Chiefs winning, but I could also see the Chiefs. To your point, Jay, they've been in all these games. They've been in all these grueling battles. They're they're they might be in a case where emotionally they just can't reach it they just can't tap into that greatness the same way they did the week before and if the Bengals push them if the Bengals are in a in a close fourth quarter game then belief then belief is really there like if it's a one score game in the fourth quarter you can see the finish line and you can give the ball to Joe Burrow and you can just say Joe Burrow has exceeded expectations at every step why not do it one more time to get the team to LA for the Super Bowl
I was already looking forward to this game, and now I'm ready to run through a press box wall and sit down and get it started. I mean, this is this is this has been great stuff, Nate. I, I really do appreciate it. I can't wait to see you on on Sunday. There is no ice storm that's going to stop Paul and I yes. from getting there. We will take Amtrak or whatever it takes. But uh, th- thank you again for jumping on, and uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, um, and congratulations to like the Bengals fans. Like, it's just it's really cool to just see. Um, what a, what a, and this is why sports is great. Why it all connects us, why it makes us, um, irrationally emotional. Um, and so I just, I just love that Bengal fans have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like that is like, that is, that has never been said in my lifetime. Okay. So their season has already been a success. I think the Chiefs season has already been a success because they made four straight AFC championship games. So I don't think the league can go wrong either way. Um, no matter how this outcome is sort of determined on Sunday, but can't wait to hug you fellas and, uh, and cover probably another classic. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Nate. All right, fellas. Thank you. All right, Jay, I'd like to say that I'm drawing the line at the Amtrak. There's no, I'm not, I'm not taking no Amtrak to Kansas city. Okay. I, I, I appreciate, uh, being there in person and feeling the moment and, but we're, we're doing zooms after the game. Now the Kansas city press box is on the moon. I, Rather than try to take the Amtrak or a Greyhound across the to country to Kansas City, I might I might stay at the house and try to cover it from here if if it comes to that. I'm planning on just taking the flight, okay? You know, when I was younger, we actually took Amtrak on a number of trips, and one of them was to Kansas City. We, we would go to the National Candy Wholesalers Association annual convention, and one was in Chicago, one was in New Orleans, uh, one was in Kansas City, and um, so I've done that before. I've, I've taken an Amtrak and, you know, when you're in middle school, maybe you don't realize that you're, it's just a fun trip. You don't realize what you're missing by not flying and going the regular way. But yeah, I, if, if it's, if there was some sort of travel delay, I think I'm with you. I, I, maybe Amtrak wouldn't be the way you just watch it on TV. I watched the first Kansas city Bengals game on TV and it worked out just fine. Yeah, it's not ideal. We will both be there. Very excited about being there. But uh, there's, there are certain lines that would be drawn <laughs> at some point. Uh, let's talk about this. You know, you, what what Nate said and the reality, um, especially after watching the game on Sunday night about playing the Chiefs right now, is, as he said, can't punt, can't turn the ball over. Your QB has to be amazing. and You need to score 40. And, and don't let it go to overtime. Right? I mean, think about that. I mean, the... The type of game, I don't think the Bengals have to play a perfect game, especially on defense. I mean, you're just going to assume that, you know, your offense is going to have to play pretty close to perfect. Burrow's going to have to play pretty close to perfect. Um, but defensively, what are we going to say? You need a couple turnovers. Mm-hmm. Eli Apple can't drop that pick. Uh, you know, you need to, they, they showed in that first game, they can get some. And uh, you're going to need one or two. And even then, you're probably going to need some some things to bounce your way after that. But I don't think they have to play a perfect game. Um, but it certainly has to be pretty close to that. Yeah. I mean, Nate said it. You know, maybe it takes 40 to get there. It, I mean, defensively, what, what where do you set the line at? If you're I, – I, I know Lou doesn't think of it this way or Zach, but, you know, if, if – us where do you put that line at that what's the number that if the Chiefs score the Bengals probably can't win this game I mean I don't 
I mean, I think if they cross 40 again, at some point you're going to need to make a stop or yeah. get a turnover. I think it's got to stay in the, it's got to stay in the 30s. Yeah. I mean, I think you're just trying to replicate last game, you know? Now, maybe not the fact that you give up 28 points in the first half. But I mean, you're you know, you got to replicate some of the at least a little bit of the defensive success that you saw in the first game. Great point that Nate made, Orlando Brown, right? Tooney playing mm. out of position and the ability to take advantage of that to to give them trouble, you know, is is a is a difference certainly here, but I don't, I don't think it's impossible for them to make some stops or force a field goal or two. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, that first game, I remember being kind of confused by some of the decisions of Andy Reid to play it more conservative than you'd think, considering he has Patrick Mahomes and settling for field goals and not necessarily being as aggressive on fourth downs. Maybe you can gain a slight sliver of an edge there, but you know, this this defense has done a great job in the red zone. Um, that will be a big part of this one too, is getting a, a stop or two in the red zone or high red that can that can force a Butker field goal. The other thing that's concerning is, yeah, I mean, Trey Henderson could really affect this game, but it, it seems like this pass rush runs by the quarterback a lot. When, when they play quarterbacks that are mobile, like Patrick Mahomes with the 69 rushing yards last week, it, that's where you wor- worry about. It's almost... It'd be better to take kind of that Titans approach, even though they don't have that that construction, but just try to get the walls to collapse instead of just having a guy fly in there because Mahomes will make guys miss, and that's where the turnovers are going to come from on on pressure, either a, a, a strip sack or hitting Mahomes as he throw or as he throws or speeding up a throw where it's a, a little bit off. They that defensive line a big part of this game is on them and obviously the the dbs have to cover and plaster when when mahomes extends the plays but it feels like that's where the responsibility for the turnovers is going to come is on the on this pass rush and if they're running past mahomes and letting him leak out it could be a long day it could and you know it's it's funny you know we're talking about all the comebacks that the chiefs have made and how much they're not out of it i think you feel the same way about burrow I mean, the Bengals never feel out of it against Kansas City or anybody. And if you can get to this game and it's reasonably within reach in the fourth quarter, to me with this game, I think the concern more than anything is it just gets out of hand early. I know the Bengals can always come back and they did in the first game and and there's a thought of that. But in Arrowhead with the Super Bowl on the line, and I just you're putting yourself, I think, too far behind the eight ball. Whereas I think the strength of what you can do is you trust Burrow to go toe to toe with Mahomes in a close game in the fourth quarter. Let's not forget Burrow the last three games, if you include the last KC game in the playoffs in the fourth quarter, twenty two of twenty four for two seventy one touchdown, no interceptions. We know about his lack of turnover worthy plays, and we talked all about that last week about it just hasn't he had the the drop by Pirine that caused the, his first interception since the Chargers game. He's been so good, and he's been even better in the fourth quarter. Get it close, and let's see the first ever true showdown of Burrow versus Mahomes uh, in pressure spots where Burrow's so good, and 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 you take your chances. You know, to me, it just feels like you could see this getting out of hand. Mahomes and the Chiefs catch a heater. I I don't think you're. I just don't think they're coming back 
um, like they did here in Cincinnati. I think you've got to keep it relatively close-ish, you know, the whole time and, and get it down to being a fourth quarter pressure battle. And that's where you let your team that's played great under pressure led by your quarterback win you the game. That's why I think getting off to that a good start is so important. As I talked about with Nate, it doesn't mean you're going to take control of the game because that's just that's this is what Kansas City does. They fall behind in these playoff games and they come back and fight. But you at least give yourself a chance if you get off to a good start and you, you it feels like you're putting yourself in position for it to end up being a fourth quarter game. Whereas if it's fourteen nothing, like it was the game in Cincinnati, you're right. It could spiral out of control very, very quickly. And, you know, let's not forget lessons that are going to be learned. I think the Chiefs, I don't know why they thought that it would be different for them, but the amount that they blitzed and the amount that Burrow burned them on the blitz in the first game, you just can't imagine we're going to see as much of that. And that's going to make things harder too, to especially cranking off some of those big plays like they did. Now, I still think they'll be able to take advantage of the Chiefs' defense. I think they'll be able to put up a bunch of points, um, but there are going to be adjustments made on both sides um, to make it even harder. I, I, I would be stunned if we saw a ton of Kansas City blitzing. I think they'll have they they should have learned their lesson from the first game. Not a ton of blitzing. Play more coverage. Shade that coverage more towards Jamar Chase and and take their chances elsewhere. I mean, the Bengals will do that. They'll feed Higgins and feed Boyd and and, and all that stuff. But um, uh, that would certainly be the adjustment that I expect to see as Kansas City tries to slow down Burrow. It, it, that's the approach they took last week against the Bills, where they shaded towards Stephon Diggs and they did take him out of the game. And what happens is Gabe Davis has this in huge game, four touchdowns. It's the Bengals have that potential. If, if they want to throw everything at Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, even C.J. Uzama could step up and have some big, really big games. And one other thing, that it just how remarkable it was in that first game for the Bengals defense to hold the Chiefs to three points. Uh, in the three games since then, they've scored 67 points. It's 22 a game, and they're doing it against a good defense in Denver, a good defense in in Pittsburgh and a good defense in Buffalo. They are lighting teams up in the second half that, that over the last three weeks since Cincinnati held them to three. Yeah. Um, it's you, no two games are alike. And uh, one thing that Nate have always heard that he says is the chiefs only play weird games. And undeniably that first game was weird. Uh, and I would expect it to be a weird one again. So you never quite know how it's going to unfold, but you certainly never feel safe. Um, and until you get to that final whistle and, and we know how much the Bengals are going to be focused on trying to be the last one holding the ball at the end and, and trying to finish a game that way after everything we saw last week with the bills and in the first game. Um, all right, before we, you know, move it on to getting into run passer boot and predictions, let's, let's, let's bring in Bengals legend, hall of famer, ring of honor. Best left tackle, best offensive lineman in NFL history. Uh, doesn't really need any introduction. I did one anyway. Uh, Anthony Munoz. All right, now we're going to bring in uh, the Hall of Famer himself, Bengals legend Anthony Munoz, new, newly uh, inducted into the Bengals Ring of Honor on top of, obviously, the Hall of Fame. Anthony, how you doing? 
Great, Paul. How you doing today, man? Thanks I'm, for having me. I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I got to tell you, I was thinking about this. Uh, was, you know, guys like you that were on the 81 and the 88 team, you ex- you have experienced, unlike a lot of people, what it's like to be uh, around a team in this city that makes a run in the Super Bowl. Are you having some deja vu around the city right now about the way this city is reacting uh, to this playoff run this team is putting together? Hey, Paul, really is deja vu and a lot of smiles on my part. And I'm sure there's a lot of smiles on a lot of the former players that have been through this because, you know, and, and usually when I get a chance to speak to the team, you know, uh, before the season starts, one of the things that I tell them is that there is a lot of guys that played for this organization that still live in this city, uh, as you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys that still live here, a lot of guys that experience uh, especially 88, but we still have a handful or, or a little more guys that experience 81. And I tell them they're big fans. They want you guys to experience success. They want you guys to experience what we did, and that's playoffs, winning playoff games, and getting to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it is like deja vu. It's uh, It's been so much fun watching this football team throughout the season, but then especially in the two playoff games. So, uh, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Well, I'm curious about this. You know, you, you were on two different Super Bowl teams, and they seem different for this reason. I mean, how different is the dynamic of a young, emergent, you know, worst-to-first team like the 81 team was? Or 88, I mean, there was a lot going on there, but you guys had been winning for a while, you know, during that era. How, how different was the feel of that first run, which is maybe more would coincide with this team that's kind of a, a young group versus 88? Well, you know, the first run, of course, they had two 4-12 and 12 seasons. And my rookie year with Forrest Gregg were 6-10. and 10. You could see the improvement. Then it went 12-4, home field advantage. And you, know, and you mentioned we did have some winning experience before that second one. But still, the year before, 4-11, and 11, I mean, everything was discombobulated. The strike, you know, the whole thing of not being able to run out the clock in the last game before. So there was a lot of, of craziness. And then we go 12-4. and four. So, I mean, really the first one was more of that. You know, the journey was two, three years where, you know, the second one was a little less. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, someone mentioned that, you know, it's really, really hard to go four, win four games and get into the playoffs. And and, uh, and I, almost, I rarely say anything, but I almost said, well, you know, there's been some history here of being, <laughs> you know, having four to six games win the, before the season and then, you know, go to the Super Bowl. Uh, but it's been, it's been crazy. And, you know, people ask me with this team, there's some young guys, you know, when they first got into the playoffs, and I'm saying it a lot, is, you know, what what about the lack of playoff experience? And it's almost like this culture this team has created with Zach and the coaches and the, the men, it doesn't matter because the confidence they have in themselves and each other, and that's a key, the confidence they have in each other and how they've come together, I think that's what's overcoming the lack of playoff uh, experience. And, it, and it's been so much fun watching this because, you know, you know, I go to all the home games. I do the preseason games. I get to see, and I've seen the process in the last, you know, two, three years with Zach. So it's been really exciting, but it doesn't surprise me. I think I might have been, and I look at it pretty objective. I don't really give out a lot of, you know, real positive stuff. But this was the first year I looked at this team in camp when people asked me, I said, this team is capable of doing some really good things. I thought they were a 10-game uh winner this this year and a lot of people had them four to six and i'm thinking ah, i saw what this team has put together so it uh it you know it is surprising but it isn't surprising what so what what about this team has surprised you then what what, what has been the thing that has surprised you this year 
Well, I, I think just the as I've seen him over the just the confidence level. I mean, yeah. you know, you got young guys, and I'm used to being around young guys. You're confident because a lot of these guys come from big programs. You've been exposed to big games, so your confidence of being some of the best is there. But on this level, it, I think it usually takes a little bit, and I think that's been the big surprise is that man, these guys really have the confidence and believe they can end up in L.A. And I think that's been you know you you always want that self confidence. But come on now, as a, as a team, there's, you know, 50-some, 40, 50-some guys you have to depend on. But I think that's been the big surprise. And, and it's, been a, it's been a welcome surprise to me. Man. I love it. I mean, when you guys when you guys went in 81 and you were a young player, did you kind of have a feeling coming out of that? Like, we weren't just going to go to the Super Bowl every couple of years, right? I mean, did you have that, have that feeling because of the, the nature of that team and that run or – yeah, I think for me, I thought so. I mean, both runs, I thought. And when it didn't happen, I was like, man, this is crazy. Because talent-wise, I really thought 81 season, I mean, sure, we had a couple guys were getting, but for the most part, guys were, were veterans. We had some young guys. And that was my whole mindset, you know, uh, was, hey, this is the first one we lost, but let's put a few together. And then the second time, the same thing. We had the talent, I mean, to, to make it one, and we didn't. So it's very difficult. But, yeah, I, I can say that uh, I did have that mindset. I know, I mean, you, you know Boomer very well and have over the years, and people, People talk about Burrow, and you've gotten to know him a little bit and understand the, the personality. Are there personality comparisons between the two and how that changed the entire dynamic of the locker room when a, when a guy of a personality like that is your quarterback? You know what? I haven't been around Joe a lot, but just reading, listening, I think so. I think the confidence that they exude, the ability to lift the performance of other players and other, have other players believe that they can do something, I think that's very similar from what I hear what I see, I think that's the similarity between the two guys is that, uh, you know, when Boomer took the huddle as a, as a rookie, it was like he had been in there for a little bit. Uh, it was his offense. It was his team. And I saw that with Joe as he took over. And then uh, listening to things, you know, Joe saying compared to with Boomer, it's just they believe they can go out and, and take their team and, and win. And so, yeah, I'd say similar, uh, similar type of uh, personalities. Well, I don't want to give flashbacks or anything, but I mean, the Niners and the Bengals are both still alive here. Uh, I mean, w- would you welcome that as someone who who went through two Super Bowls that didn't end the way you wanted to, or is it, or is it different? As someone pointed out to me, that except the difference is now you guys have Montana and Rice. Right. Well, you know, it's so for me. If it was. If there were still some of the guys playing ownership, but I think it's more for for me right now a win. I mean, I don't care if we you know beat whoever. It, I think it's more for the fans that have been longtime fans that have. Uh, but for me, yeah, it'd be nice to beat the 49ers, but only if they had uh, Rice in Montana a lot, uh, <laughs> you know, and DeBartolo, and you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, franchise. I think it's good for the franchise, but. For me, it's just winning the Super Bowl that would just take me over the top for these young men. Uh, but as far as Bengals 40, I know there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, that would be nice. But, uh, you know, I think, I think you know, having a chance to beat the hometown team, if they, if they make it, you know, beating them in their own stadium would be pretty cool. Yeah. Have you talked much with Mike and the family kind of during this run and about what, what this has all kind of meant for I have them? Not, have not really had a chance. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with COVID yeah. and, you know, the restrictions, uh, you know, other than you know, early in the season with the Ring of Honor and the you know the Super Bowl guys coming back, you know, so I haven't really had a chance to sit down and chat with any of them in any length of time. So, 
but they, they've got to be thrilled. They've got to be excited. Uh, I mean, it, how can you not be excited uh, if you're associated with the, the franchise? Kind of look at, well, a little bit of time to look back on it now. What was the Ring of Honor experience like for you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, I tell people it's a great honor, a great privilege, humbling, uh, going with Anderson and Riley and, of course, Paul Brown. But for me, the evening was 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 capped off by having the 40 guys there from Super Bowl 16, having the reception at the, the music center, the iconic, or I think it's called iconic music center, uh, before the dinner. And then, so that to me what, is what made it such a great event. And I'm thank, you know, I, I thank the staff and the Bengals for putting that together and having us, you know, again, the Rio I know that was the focus with the four guys, you know, four players, three players and the coach being inducted. But the fact that I had a chance to be around a lot of my teammates from that Super Bowl were, you know, we've talked about and hadn't seen a lot of those guys in 25, 30 years. And uh, I actually had one of the linebackers, like, hey, how you? By, I, you know, I greeted him by name. He goes, you recognize me? I said, yeah, I recognize <laughs> And we're, you know, we're just a lot older and grayer, but we look the same, you know, so... Uh, but no, that that was a quite an experience. I'm just thankful that we had a chance to do that. No, no doubt. Now it's just a matter of uh, you know Willie Anderson. Now is uh, he's a finalist in the room for the hall, and obviously I think there's still hope. Kenny's got to get in here soon. Are, are you, are you uh, ho- hopeful that there can be a few more people joining you there with those gold jackets soon? Well, I've gotten to, to hopeful to being you know pretty. I'd say pretty ticked off that we don't have more guys like Anderson Riley. And two Andersons, Riley, Isaac. I mean, it, it just to me, it shouldn't be that way. I, I think there there needs to be. I mean, you look at the you know if you look at the Ring of Honor, the list that uh, was there for the season ticket holders to vote on. I'm thinking you give me a handful of those guys, and I'll put them up against guys that are you know on the ballot every year. And if they don't make the ballot, it, it's really a shame. But yeah, I'm ready for guys for more orange and black to be uh, to be up in Canton with me. Well, you know, it it doesn't doesn't hurt when uh, that orange and black is playing on this stage, even this group, and uh, and and may, maybe making their way to a Super Bowl. I know, uh, I, I know you're a busy man, and you'll have plenty more requests coming your way uh, if this team makes it to the Super Bowl. That's for sure. It will be a busy few weeks. You normally go down there anyway. Would you be going to the Super Bowl again either way? Well, I'm going to be there. I have my flight already. The only thing is I told my wife that I, I have no problem with rescheduling my flight because I usually don't stay for the game. I'm leaving. As of right now, I am planning to reschedule my flight because I leave at 6 a.m. Sunday morning to get back and watch it. But I would love to reschedule to come back Monday or Tuesday, and I'm sure I still have some open time out there. So hopefully uh, I'll be able to do some things as a former Bengals because the Bengals are in the in the, in the the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, I'll definitely be out there right now. I got a few events I'm already doing out there. You got uh, the those are probably I assume your character camps. Usually, you're doing those while you're out there. Or well, I'm doing I'm doing one on the camp right now. It looks like we're going to do one uh, on the campus at USC. Then, of course, we have our Hall of Fame luncheon, and uh, so I got uh, athletes in action breakfast, and I got to get in. You know, it's rare, and I got to throw this. It's rare when the USC basketball team is ranked high. <laughs> so, on Saturday night, I'm going to the USC UCLA basketball game. So, I've. Uh, I've, contacted, I've talked to Mike Bone, who is here, as you know, at UC, yeah. who's 
now our AD out there. I said, Mike, I need some tickets to that game. I'm coming. So, <laughs> so I got a few things. Of course, my clubs will accompany me out there. So I got uh, two, three days early in the week where I, I got to get out and play a little golf. Well, Bengals fans all hope that you have to go through the strain of rescheduling a flight after this weekend. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, I have no problem with that. And I want to see. I'm tired of not seeing orange and black. I've been, I think up until last year, uh, Paul, let's see, I didn't go out to the Super Bowl site. I think I've been to like 33, 34 consecutive Super Bowl sites. And and I I would want to get start that string back up and, and start it back up with orange and black. So I have no problem rescheduling my flight, <laughs> regardless regardless of what the fee is. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Anthony, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, hope maybe we'll, maybe we'll be seeing you out there uh, in, in L.A. Certainly look forward to it. I hope so. I hope uh, there's a lot more than just uh, my orange and black I wear. I hope there's a whole sea <laughs> of uh, orange and black and Bengal stripes out there. So, yeah, hopefully I'll see you out there. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it, man. All right, Paul. Hey, my pleasure. All right, always great to catch up with Anthony Munoz, who is going to be hoping to change his flight leaving L.A. a Super Bowl week. And, and... Don't, don't put any fees on Anthony. Okay, if you're if you're working for Delta, whoever he's flying, and Anthony needs to change his flight because the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, t- wave the fees. It's Anthony Munoz. It's gold jacket wave. That's what that should be. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, you have a gold jacket. Uh, you, your fee is waived. You 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 get this. You know, I I don't think there's any better endorsement of the city of Cincinnati than the number of pro athletes that that come that are not from here that come here for their careers and then stay. And Anthony's at the top of that list. I mean, there's no greater ambassador for the city of Cincinnati than that guy. And, uh, just really appreciate him joining us and, and kind of giving his insight because he is, I mean, the only hall of famer he's, he's Mr. Bengal. He's, he is the big name when you talk about Bengal past. Yep. And, uh, wrote a story uh, this summer about him and all the work he's done off the field here in Cincinnati. Hope most of you are familiar with it, but the, what he has done to help kids in the city here and, and get out and, and with the scholarship program is incredible. If you get a chance to go back and read that story, please do. More importantly, if you get a chance to donate, munozfoundation.org and, and donate to the great work that him and his organization do. It is going to a good place. That much I can guarantee. Uh, they do incredible work there. So, all right. Great to talk to Anthony, who's been to two Super Bowls. The Bengals will try to get to a third for their franchise here, and uh, that is at Kansas City, 3 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Let's start out with the Bengals growler bet, Jay. Um, what do we got for the Bengals growler bet? Well, guess what? It's You know what? Everybody's happy. People feeling good. We don't want to raid on the parade with some unwinnable eight-pronged Bengals growler bet. It'd be great if your team went to the Super Bowl and you won some beer, some delicious 50 West beer. So I think we have a winnable one for you today. Today's yeah, it, it, the Bengals, Bengals growler w- bet. Well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if the Bengals win or lose, that beer is going to come in handy for for anybody that is lucky enough to win it here. So this is, we, we've made it very, very simple. I think so. Uh, Bengals Growler Bet, you can send us your answers to hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter or send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com with the word growler somewhere in the subject header so I can search and find you. And longest 
pass play of the game and which team. So that's all you got to tell me. Which team has it and what is the length of the longest pass play of this game? Of course, two teams known for explosive offenses. You got to figure you're going to see some deep shots. We saw a bunch of them in the first game. I think somebody's going to have the number. It's going to be a matter if they combo the two. So, Jay, what do you got? Yeah, don't go covering your bases either, people. You, we'll know. Only one guess per person. You can't guess the same number and then do one Chiefs, one Bengals. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with match last week's number. Uh, Jamar Chase had a 57 yard catch. Did not result in a touchdown, but I'm I'm going to go Bengals. 57 yards. All right, 57 yards for you. Well, you know me. I like to go to the prime numbers. And so I'm going to say, I think we're definitely going to see some explosive plays. But I'm going to say 61. 61 yards by the Chiefs is going to be my guess for this game. So Chiefs at 61 on longest play. Here's a secondary one that's not part of the growler bet. How many plays of 40-plus yards will we see in this game? Hmm. Eh, I would say three. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be huge. I, 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 I mean, I do think we're going to see a lot of points, but I think it's going to be more 20, 30 chunks here and there, 15. I am, I'm wondering what happened to me, though, because I forgot to go palindrome on my growler bet, but I'm not changing it. I'm not. I'm not going to change it to 55. I'm going to stick with 57. But uh, yeah, if that's, I'll say there's there'll be three. You said just pass plays, right? Yes. Yeah, I'll say three pass plays of 40 or more. I think that's probably right. I, I mean, I don't think we'll get too much. I mean, the, I think the Bengals will continue to play the deep shells and continue to try to keep everything in front of them and and make them go underneath all day. Um, which Mahomes happily did against the Bills, but I think they're going to they're gonna try to make them do that, so maybe we won't see as many long ones. All right. We asked for some run passes or boots from you, and we got some. We picked one out, and we've got another one of our own. Uh, this run pass or boot is from the Bookerman. Thank you for your submission. It is, who will have the most yards per reception? Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, or anyone else. See, the thing about yards per reception is you bring in somebody getting one long catch. You know, one if Joe Mixon catches one ball and it's a screen for 25 yards, I'm not saying that would happen, but if that was the case, or maybe Drew Sample. One tight end screen to Drew Sample, involve him, and he goes for 25 yards. It's a 25-yard average. Maybe it's, it's anyone else. So it makes it, I don't know. Jay, what are you saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with anyone else. Uh, we saw it in that first game. I think it was Byron Pringle had one catch for 53 yards. You could see one of those guys kind of getting loose and having a big a big play and not contribute the, the rest of the game. Um, I'll pass on Jamar Chase because I just picked him to catch a 57-yarder, so no matter what he does the rest of the game, his number is going to be pretty high. Uh, and I'll boot Tyreek Hill. They run a lot of just kind of quick little outs to him and hope he can make somebody miss and then run away from everybody. And sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times it's just a, a little two, three yard gain and they move on to the next play. So I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to necessarily have a huge yards per catch. He might have a big day overall volume wise, but I don't, I don't think his yards per catch is going to be super high. 
I'm with you, Jay. I think there's going to be so much attention paid to Chase and to Hill. This is going to be an anyone else game. I mean, I, I really do. I think that, uh, you know, it, whether it's Higgins or Boyd or whatever, I, I mean, Higgins probably the most likely of all the anyone else's. Um, I, I do think this is going to be an anyone else game and, and to, to go big. And so I'll, I will, uh, I will run with anyone else. I'll also, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pass on, I'll pass on Tyreek. I just, you know, I, I think, I think Chase will have a lot of volume too. I think in some of the stuff thrown to him and, and, and it may not be the big brain. The one thing they'll try to take away from Chase is the over the top. So, uh, Tyreek, you could, you could potentially see still breaking one, uh, so I'll just say that. I'll do um, anyone else and then Hill and then Chase. Uh, all right, Jay, you have another run passer boot for us. Yeah, we discussed two more. Do you want to do both of these or you just want to do let's do one. let's well, yeah, let's let's just do let's just do this one. Let's just do run passer boot, Bengals rushing yards, Chiefs rushing yards, total turnovers, which each turnover counting as fifty. So Two turnovers in the game would be 100 would be your number there. What will be the highest number? Bengals rushing yards, Chiefs rushing yards, total turnovers. I'm running all day with the turnovers. The, the Bengals are either going to commit turnover, three turnovers or they're going to force three turnovers. I'm, I'm going on the record right now. I think that that's just feels the way this, this game is going to play out, that it's it's going to be all or nothing. They're, they're going to they're gonna pick off Patrick Mahomes a few times, maybe get a fumble or – it's going to be Joe Burrow getting picked three times. He, he hasn't done it a lot lately, but you could see if they fell behind and he starts forcing things, that would happen. So that would put you at 150 right off the bat. And I don't think either team's going to run for 150 in this game. Um, so run with the turnovers times 50. I'll pass on the Chiefs running game and I'll boot the Bengals running game. This, this, they're, they're putting this game in Joe Burrow's hands. Joe Mixon will, will get his carries, but this is, this, he's, I'd be surprised if he got near his average of 78. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Let's not forget, first game, Chiefs ran for 155 yards on the ground. It's And, and Mahomes took off a lot last week and, and racked up some yards. So maybe you see more of that. And, and a lot of their rushing yards came in the second half when the Bengals essentially begged them to run the ball rather than throw it anymore. So if that strategy rolls over, perhaps you see more Chiefs rushing yards. So I'm I'm gonna run with Chiefs rushing yards. Hmm. I'm gonna pass on turnovers. I, I just think these quarterbacks have done such a good job of playing a clean game. You're right. The Bengals fall behind and Burroughs having to throw it a bunch. Turnover possibility is is out there. But I I I think they'll play pretty clean games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on total turnovers and I will I will also boot mix uh Bengals rushing yards. I don't think this will be a big rushing day for them. Okay, that said, welcome everyone who scrolled to the end of today's <laughs> episode to hear our predictions. I promise you there's great content in the middle of this episode. You missed. Anthony Munoz talked. Uh, so go back. We, we, we had some good jokes in there. Uh, but regardless, you're here now. So it's prediction time. It's time to weigh in. Bengals Chiefs AFC Championship game. Can the Bengals go into Arrowhead and advance to the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles? Jay, you have the floor. I feel like I missed a big opportunity here because the, the last four times I've picked the against the Bengals, they've won. 
And, and I've been getting a lot of tweets and emails about please pick against them this week. And I, I should have tweeted out my Venmo and said, you know, send me a dollar if you want me to pick against the Bengals. And if I get to a certain amount, I'll do it. Uh, I didn't do that, but I'm still going to pick against the Bengals. Um, I just, I don't think they're, they're going to be able to overcome the machine that is Patrick Mahomes. Let's not forget that if it wasn't for that crazy win in Cincinnati where they pulled it out at the end, the Chiefs would be riding a 12-game winning streak right now. That's the only game they've lost in the last 12. They are on fire, and I don't see the Bengals putting it out. Uh, I'm going 37-27 Chiefs. Win and a cover for the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think – I think I think you're you're on something there. It's funny your number. That's the number I have for the Chiefs as well. Thirty-seven. Hmm. Um, I, I have I have it being closer, but I also I also have the Chiefs winning. I, I just this is a tall task, you know. The the Chiefs are are made for this moment. They've they've been they've lived in this moment. I I like the makeup of this Bengals team to handle the environment. I, I, this is not for me about the environment. Um, I, I just, I don't see many flaws on the chiefs and I see one big one on the Bengals. I mean, I just, the, the inability to protect the offensive line, if they're really going to need it. Now I think they can hold up enough. And we've discussed that ad nauseum on the Tuesday episode. It hasn't always mattered. I mean, this is the same offensive line. They trotted out there in the first game. I just, I don't know that this will be, the first game all over again. Um, and I, I just, I don't think the Bengals are all the way there to do this yet. Um, this is the tallest task that exists in the current NFL. There is nothing harder to do right now in this league than to go in the playoffs into Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes. It's just not something that happens. You know, Tom Brady did it. Once, the end. Okay, <laughs> that's it. And they're hot. They they've got their weapons. They have everything in place. I have Chiefs thirty seven, Bengals thirty one. I, I I do think Burrow has chances at the end, um, but it it ends up not happening and not being enough. So Chiefs win and, and go on to the Super Bowl, but. It, it it would not it would not surprise me and if this is the case if the score is 37-31 and you get the ball to number 9 at some point man you feel like here we go that's all you can ask for i think at this point if you're the bengal's if you could sell if you could promise something to Zach Taylor right now look right now today i'll put you with a minute and 28 seconds left, you got no timeouts, you're down six, you've got the ball in your own end. He would take it in a heartbeat. It's, it's what you're trying to set the game up to be. Give Burrow one chance to do that thing. And uh, that's, what the, that's what they should be aiming for because that's the way they'll have to beat the Chiefs. Yep, totally agree. And... It- that would be something. I, I wonder if if you could give Joe Burrow truth serum and, and say how many seconds on the clock would you feel comfortable with getting getting the team into field goal range? And in, in your situation, it would it would take a touchdown, 
But uh, yeah, 13 seconds, that, that thing last week was unreal. But if, if, if Burrow can get the ball with a chance in that fourth quarter, it would really be something to see. And it's one of those things where even if it doesn't work out, you're going to feel a lot better or they're going to feel a lot better going into the off season as opposed to if they fall behind early and this thing just, they just get dump trucked. We shall see. We will all learn together, Jay, what happens. And I hope everybody that's going to Kansas city has safe trip there. And everybody that's watching the game, uh, does so and celebrates safely if that's the case um either way really really looking forward uh to sunday in kansas city and the bringing you the walk out afterwards no matter what's going on uh it's been a fun ride to get to this point and it's not over yet we will uh we will take in the game sunday together so thanks everybody for listening this week we appreciate everybody that's that's hopped on we actually will have an afc live room uh tomorrow and uh, that is at three o'clock. Is it at four p.m.? I believe four p.m. Eastern. Yeah, the yes. times get all messed up when we start dealing with Eastern and Central. Four o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. Me, Jay, uh, Nate Taylor, Lindsey Jones will be hosting on the national side. So you guys know our live rooms. You know how we love to do those. Uh, we'll have a bigger one with uh, kind of a bunch of different people involved in talking about this championship game. That'll go for 45 minutes uh, tomorrow. So if you want to get one last bit, we're here for you Friday afternoon. You're already thinking about the weekend. Come come check in on the app. We'd love to have you. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.